Here's the thing about eating ass. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome back aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rock through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Let's kick it off. What are we doing, boy? So we're, we're looking into a couple of uh, spooky ones just in time for the, uh, the spook season, <laughs> I guess. So we thought we'd delve into a movie that I was really interested in watching um, yeah. in the body horror genre. Well, both, um, both of these films are kind of classic 80s horror movies. Yeah, and particularly body horror, which is yeah. a, a kind of like, obviously there's a lot of different types of horror films and mm. this one was real big in the 80s, I think it kind of exploded. So we're looking at The Thing. <laughs> it exploded along with several of the bodies in the oh, film. Oh yeah, a lot of people <laughs> in this film, yeah. Um, so we're looking at The Thing, which was a 1982 film. Which by Thing? Sorry, no, dude, if, you, if you're going to be talking about the films, you're going to have to be a lot more specific. Which which. Oh, well, when I'm referring to The Thing, I'm talking about <laughs> The Fly, which is... <laughs> You know, that fly thing. The 1986 film by David Cronenberg. Right. And also, John Carpenter's 1982 film, The Thing, the which is th- the, the other thing that we're doing. The thi- Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll be talking about The, the Thing. F- the first thing we're doing is that thing with a fly, yeah, and the second thing, thing we're doing then, is The Thing. Yeah. So, it's going to be that thing and The Thing. Right. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Just, just to be clear. Thank you. Okay. I feel like maybe people have completely lost Because <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking about this for... Days the and name have of made the first movie is The Thing. The name of the second movie is The Fly. The Fly, yes. Yeah. We're not missing proper nouns. We know what we're doing, listeners. You should trust us. We've done 20 of these things now. Which things? <laughs> the the Thing of the Fly, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I guess we'll... Let's start off. Let's go chronologically. So, The Thing... It's pronounced Cronenberg. Uh, David chronologically. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, The Thing uh, came out in 1982. Um, it was directed by John Carpenter, <laughs> who hadn't done a whole lot of stuff before that this point. This was his first, his first major really feature film. I think yeah. he'd done like straight-to-video stuff before this. Yeah. And he was kind of experimenting with this horror kind of genre. Mm. He's now... The exception is that he did do Halloween, which was a massive cult classic. That was one yeah. with um, Freddy... Is it Freddy? I think, I I think the name of the character is Mike Myers. Fucking blend I remember because this always confuses yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that gag right. in Baby Driver where they're like, get the Mike Myers Halloween mask and he comes back with like an Austin Powers rubber mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Michael Myers are also sometimes referred to as The Shape. Um, and he's I've that never heard that, that before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's that one that wears the fucking Frankenstein looking mask. Yeah. So, and, and uh, you know, I think there's like five or six Halloweens now or whatever. It's kind of like Friday the 13th. There's a lot of different ones yeah. maybe. Or maybe I'm wrong about that. I really don't know anything about hor- <laughs> like early horror movies. Yeah, least. me neither. Anyway, so John, John Carpenter, Carpenter is famous for them. Famous for these kind of things. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, so Halloween was 1978 and then he did The Fog as well, which was pretty big. And that led through to eventually doing um, The Thing in 1982, which is one of his most famous works, yeah. I think. Um, well, so and be- certainly, I think, uh, like... In my opinion, or from my understanding, Halloween is a, a cult classic, but it's not renowned for the kind of the quality of its filmmaking. No, I Whereas, don't really know that much about I it. I think the, sure. the Thing is is genuinely uh, a really well-made film that's endured because it's really well put together and has some really interesting things going on. Yeah. As opposed to um, 
kind of just a, a bit of a, a gimmick of a, an interesting villain or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, so I think a lot of these sort of 80s films I'm not super familiar with, but we're going through a bit of like an 80s resurgence at the moment where we're yeah. getting like some video games and TV shows and stuff that are all kind of set in like a tribute to the 80s. Yeah, I mean, last week we did um, Predator. Yeah, so exactly, which 80s, is like an 80s kind of tribute thing mm. and then of course Stranger Things is specifically right. kind of made in tribute to John Carpenter style stuff yeah okay. and like because he has a very sort of defined style that people are fans of and there's a lot of apparently sort of references to sort of John, John Carpenter movies and other sort of 80s right. horror things in okay. Stranger Things so it's definitely sort of a sort of aesthetic and a style that our listeners might be familiar with if they aren't familiar with the yeah, film, and I films think themselves I'm definitely in, not being born in the 90s we kind of experienced that um, we didn't experience it firsthand, but what we experienced was that kind of like nostalgic um, longing for and basis on yeah. 80s works. So, yeah. yeah, I think we still get a fair bit of that kind of culture. And now we're getting that second wave 80s resurgence, as you say. So, yeah. So getting into it, I, I think we'll give people who haven't seen it before a bit of a bit of an overview of kind of the plot. Yeah. Um, and without just with like our horror movies that we did in our first spooktacular, <laughs> I think oh, um, yeah. these movies often benefit from knowing nothing about them. Yeah. So if you have a passing interest in watching the thing or Which the thing? fly, <laughs> last time <laughs> the fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have a passing interest in watching the thing or the fly, I definitely think it might be worth watching them. If you don't want anything spoiled, yeah, we'll give you a heads I, I up before be we give like major this. spoilers. I could but. be wrong about this, but I feel like the fly. If you know what it is, like you even yeah. have ever heard of it, you probably know what the storyline yeah. is. But with the thing, I knew all about it and had no idea what the storyline was. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, as you say, it benefited yeah. greatly from that. And so. I think that I'm more talking about the thing. I think that yeah, the thing definitely, definitely is benefits from knowing nothing about it. And it's it's it was my favorite of the two. Oh yeah, I think it's a better not movie. To, not to spoil the ending of Beef Station. Sorry, yeah. we didn't give you spoiler warnings for that little spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no. spoil their own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you a heads up for the major spoilers of the film. But I think I think definitely if you've got an interest in it, it's worth going to watch. Yeah. So cold. this first bit, uh, spoiler free, and yeah. then I'll give you a a warning. Um, but I guess from then on, it's probably going to be general spoilers. So yeah. at this point, I would recommend probably don't bother with the fly. You can general spoilers, lieutenant spoilers, sergeant major spoilers. Nice. It'll be the whole fucking army, mate. Petty Brace yourselves. Spoilers. Yeah, nice. <laughs> petty officer spoilers is actually a good name for a petty officer. Yeah. Okay, so just for a bit of a yeah, bit of a plot overview. Um, so the thing opens with kind of a, a helicopter flying over kind of snow-covered tundra, which you find out, I think... Now, is this Arctic or Antarctic? It tells you it's Antarctica. And I thought it was Antarctic, yeah. and then I was talking to someone yesterday about it, and they were like, I think it's actually the Arctic. And I was like, no, I think it was Antarctic. And they were like, I think it's the Arctic. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Okay, well, now I have no idea, but I, I wrote down Antarctica at the time. I think it's also Antarctica. Antarctica, 1982. I was right. Get fucked. Yeah. Um, then again, so, why the fuck are the Norwegians exploring Antarctica when they have the Arctic so have close? Have you seen the map of the divided up things? Yeah, like, I know. But like, why do they even care about having part of Antarctica? They have the Arctic. They're right there. <laughs> I think it's completely different. Like, I think that the the information to be garnered from exploring in the Arctic is completely different from in the Antarctic. Environmental scientist listeners, help us out. Tell well, us I know, why we're I know that idiots. one of them is like a continent that's got snow on it, and the other one is like a floating bit of ice. Yeah. And I think that I know I have no idea. No, one of the one of them I'm is pretty that, sure that there's different things to be benefited from both. Anyway, they're both just um, giant chunks of ice. You're right. Tell the Norwegians that. <laughs> tell them they're wasting their money and time. It's it must yeah it must be so expensive. Oh yeah, it's hugely expensive. So it opens with a heli, and you find out it's over Antarctica. So the dude flying the helicopter has a gun. It then cuts to a dog kind of running over the snow, and the dude flying the heli is just absolutely slamming round after round after this dog. He's trying to kill it. The dog gets to a research station where a bunch of Americans come out to see what the fuss is about. 
helicopter lands and pilot gets out. He's yelling in Norwegian and yeah. waving the gun around. Um, he's still trying to shoot the dog. So he ends up hitting one of the Americans in the leg in the process. Yeah. Um, the helicopter blows up. I didn't catch why. No, because he's throwing, he throws hand grenades at the dog. Oh, right. Okay. So he's going fucking insane. He pulls another yeah. hand grenade and I think deliberately blows up the helicopter. Yeah, right. Okay. So he, he yeah, blows up the, the, the copter. One of the Americans ends up killing the dude by shooting him through the face with a pistol. This guy's gone crazy. He's on drugs yeah. or something and yeah. kills yeah. him. And luckily, one of the Americans has a gun on a research station, yeah. which is the word. <laughs> um, I guess to kill polar bears. Yeah. They there's, only there's, live in that. There's Arctic. a lot of shit in this film. Like they're like, <laughs> no, we'll talk about it a bit later. But there's a lot of shit. We're like, go get this. Like, why the fuck do they have those on the research station? Yeah. So the best example of that, and yeah, a little bit getting into it. But <laughs> I, when we were l- looking at some of the Predator extras, the yeah. director of Predator was like, it makes no fucking sense that someone would lug a fucking Gatling gun, a mini gun through yeah. the jungle <laughs> that can then fire for 20 seconds and then yeah. he just has to leave it behind and he's got to carry all this shit around with him <laughs> and he does it for days and yeah. weeks and then he fires it for 20 seconds and then it's. Huge. In- the forest yeah and, and he's like it makes no sense but it's cool in a movie and there are a lot of flamethrowers on they this have like Arctic two or three flamethrowers and i was like six or seven flamethrowers <laughs> do they use those to melt ice when they're trying to research stuff or whatever i, I was like maybe, maybe that's, that's plausible it's more plausible than the minigun in the jungle yeah. but it's there's definitely a bit of like why the fuck have you got one of those <laughs> yeah. have a lot of tnt and shit. yeah maybe and that it, is what it is maybe it would make less sense if they had hired mr freeze to stay on the well, they had, station like, missile launches or <laughs> yeah so after that they're like kind of reeling they're like what the fuck uh, we get a bit of a character introduction for everyone by way of like slice of life or what everyone does on the research yeah. station the that's sort of 10 ones. or 15 yeah there characters. are a lot of characters and uh, a lot of them don't really matter but they're interesting yeah. anyway i think so, it's interesting they sort of they sort of breeze past all these characters and it sort of gets you right into this action without really introducing all of the characters. Yeah, it does. And it so does a bit you have characters building. like Palmer and Childs and Lucky yeah. and all these characters, and you don't really end up being too familiar with a lot of the characters. No. It sort of just launches you straight into it, which I think works quite well. Yeah, it does. Because it, it adds it builds, to the air of mystery. Exactly. And in and the whole film, it, it's saying if you don't catch information about this, that's fine. It's part of the world. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, and it, uh, I've been listening to a podcast about Game of Thrones, and they talk about that the best kind of exposition is where a character is just talking about stuff that's going on. And if you don't understand it, it doesn't feel like you're lost. It feels like you haven't heard about that before. Yeah. And so it's just like, there's other shit going on in this world. Don't worry about it. It's not important. Yeah. They do that a lot with like the West Wing where people will be talking about the Fisheries Act and agriculture and shit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, is machinations going on in the background? Sure. Yeah, okay, sure. So yeah, the two of the crew, Mac, who is um, (laughs) the kind of the... The leader, not in rank, but in spirit. Played by Kurt um, Russell. Played by Kurt Russell, famously, who you would have seen as the Star-Lord's dad in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah, and he was also in Hateful Eight. He played the main guy. That's right. He's got yeah. the crazy handlebar mustache. Yeah. yeah. He's the guy that smashed um, that priceless guitar. <laughs> yeah, right. True. <laughs> you hear that story? Yeah, 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 yeah. He wasn't meant to, yeah. So was it just Google that on your own? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're not covering Hateful Eight on this. Strict, strict rule. So... Two of them, Mac and Doc, um, who's... There's a couple of doctors, but he's... I would assume maybe they're all doctors. It's like yeah. a doctor and a biologist, yeah. yeah. No, because Mac's a helicopter pilot. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, they decide to go and investigate the Norwegian research station, see what happens. They're like, they get those the, guys must have been crazy yeah, or on drugs insane. or something. If they got crazy. all the way to here to fuck us up, they must have fucked up their own base. Yeah, Let's go so, see if they're all right. Or at least figure out what happened. Yeah. yeah. So, they get there. Um, to the Norwegian base, to the which Norwegian is like on base. the other side of the fucking thing. And they've got to like fly through a storm or whatever. Yeah. So they get there and they find this insane kind of thing 
that is I don't know how else to describe it, but um, it's got like two <laughs> really heads. Really John Carpenter. It looks like a burnt corpse. It's got like two heads and twisted limbs and stuff. But it's like it's like deformed. It's like sort of two corpses have fused have together fused, yeah. in the it's, fire it's, or it's something. It looks in, kind of inexplicable. Fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, "What the fuck?" And they bring it back to the station. Like it's kind of got two it. faces and like four legs and shit and like yeah. yeah. And it's clearly like grotesque. It, it's, it's humanoid, but not in a like it doesn't. It's more than one human. You yeah. Know? And then, meanwhile, so something's wrong with the dog that they brought back, uh, mm. or the dog that ran back to the station. It's um, it's got worms. Uh, they put it away for the night, and it kind of kills and eats an acid. What do you sprays. mean it's got worms? That's a little joke. All right. Um, it, it, it kills and eats an acid sprays uh, all but like two of the pack. So they realize something's going on. They burst in, torch it with a flamethrower that they, as mentioned, for some reason, have on hand. Yeah. And then, yeah, they decide to do an autopsy on it. Um, so, so that's where the kind of spoiler warning ends because then they make some discoveries that definitely yeah. shape the rest of the plot. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, like, I guess from here on in, we'll spoil the movie we're just going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, go watch it if you want to. And I would recommend, I wouldn't recommend watching The Fly, but I would recommend watching The Thing, yeah. Going In Cold. Yeah. It was really good. And you um, will be cold because it's based in Antarctica. <laughs> so I think, so now that we're launching into it, I think something you breezed over, over it there is the dog acid sprays the other dogs. Yeah. It kind of. Shit bursts out of the dog. Yeah, that was my little joke about it having worms. All right, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it sprouts tentacles and clearly like its face splits open. And Tendrils another, and things. There's and like it, a skeleton muscle, muscle dog inside. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the monster thing from the upside down in Stranger Things in the way its face splits open. Yeah, well, I mean, like, that might be a literal that might direct be a, influence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it tur- the, the dog kind of turns into this grotesque monster that's sort of half deformed dog but half it looks monster. like a perfectly normal dog yeah like this is like a normal, normal husky, husky and it kind of morphs into something and might I add something that I did note is this is the best dog actor I have ever seen because <laughs> yeah. the way that it, it behaves differently to is, other dogs. It, it is so notably different it kind of moves slowly it looks at things really intently a lot of the time yeah. it's not actually behaving like a normal dog it's got really good like canine body language yeah. it's hard to describe but you'll know what we mean when, yeah. when when you're watching it, um, hopefully so, you've already seen it. But yeah, yeah. Well, so, but so that dog that dog scene is kind of interesting because you see all these normal dogs sort of sleeping and then they sort of get freaked out by this yeah. other dog that's just standing there looking at them. Yeah, um, and that's when shit starts to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get a flamethrower, they torch this fucking thing, and it escapes through the like bursts through the roof and escapes. Yeah, um, and then they have no idea. What's and it going leaves on. part of itself, like a fair part of itself, behind. Yeah. It's almost like it shed a skin. Yeah, you know? it's sort of like, or like half of its body split off. Yeah, and it's and kind it of weird. sprayed goop over one of the dogs that's then like, yeah, yeah. clearly been like badly acid burned or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And so this is kind of where, as an audience, you're trying to work out what the fuck is going on. Yeah. It's not really explaining much. No, they don't um, explain anything until a couple of conversations that they have right after this. Yeah. So. And so, yeah, right. And, and so this is where they, they start to then go and be like, oh, right, so maybe this is related to what's going on at that Norwegian base. Yeah. So they decide to go and have a look at this weird fused body thing. Yep. So they're doing a um, kind of an... They do an autopsy on it, and um, really quite quickly, the doctors come to the conclusion that um, this is kind of a... Um, I think that at this point it's revealed that it's an alien, right? Because they found a spaceship when they yeah. were looking at the Norwegian research the, base. The Norwegians had like a video of their experiments and they and watched the video like and it shows them UFO. like uncover- uncovering this flying saucer yeah. thing. Um, so, they, they realize that yeah. it's an alien that can imitate, they do some like cellular research and they realize yeah. it can imitate other life forms very convincingly. 
and that it needs a bit of there's like certain constraints so it needs to be alone with the thing long enough to basically kill it and absorb it it needs to be alone with the victim we can't we've got to be very sorry. careful when we say thing alone with the victim yeah. um, long enough to yeah kind of and like it, take on its form and they reckon it takes like an hour for this monster to yeah. like absorb and become that person it's, it's next host yeah. yeah and I think this is so, something that I was trying to wiggle, work out as you watch the film because I thought maybe originally like the monster would have to like kill you and hide your body and then become you but no it's more like a virus that it kind of absorbs you people yeah yep. so yeah it kind of kills you and then takes over takes yourselves. over your body yeah and it kills you so that it can do that yeah. it doesn't need to kill you it just yeah. it's and easier and quieter yeah, if it does I, I suppose so yeah. yeah and so the idea is then that there become there will be multiple things yeah yeah. So spread so, through the base. Right. So there isn't just one. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. Um so Blair, who is the guy that's doing all the autopsies and stuff, he runs a yeah. simulation and there's like a seventy five percent chance. <laughs> right. He does this so magic that, computer simulation. So, so that could, I love 80s like, high-tech shit. This is the best so, like, supercomputer in the world. Yeah, you yeah. can just like, okay, Google, ask it a question <laughs> literally about your current situation and it'll spit out a yeah. great answer. Well, see, there's lots of great 80s shit in this. Yeah. There's like, like one of the opening scenes is Mac, the heli- um, Kurt Russell's character, playing against like uh, an AI chess computer. But it's like, in one of those like all black and green kind of screens yeah, with yeah, like yeah. the most low res graphics possible and yep. like checkmate night F4 kind of yep. shit and you imagine that's the sort of thing or back in the day people watching and be like wow that's amazing yeah. I think in some oh movies, and then he fucking because I was I was thinking like oh wow that's got to be a pretty expensive like little computer there and then it beats him and he pours his scotch into it and yeah. permanently ruins it yeah it's it's like, it was a cool little scene to introduce was the cool, character but also yeah. like Dude, it's like this fucking thing. He broke the chess machine. <laughs> yeah. be like, now no one can play chess for like fucking months until <laughs> yeah, they get exactly. another one. Exactly. What happened to it? I um some I accidentally spilled scotch <laughs> into it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, um, but, but so I like I like a lot of the '80s high tech shit in a lot of these movies. Yeah, but I think cool. there's a difference between. 80s high-tech aesthetic stuff that dates really well and stuff that doesn't. Like, I think, for example, in Blade Runner, somehow that feels kind of timeless. It's like the 80s idea of high-tech. Yeah, because they're Even not though it is set it, in the it's future. It's not trying to act like a computer that was around then. Yeah. Because all of the way that it works in these kind of things is they use, like, a command prompt style, like... Yeah, exactly. They ask it a question, like, in the fly, you know, we'll yeah. talk about this later, but in the fly, he's like, if... X equals Y, then what <laughs> is this? Shit. And it yeah. just spits out like an answer to that question. It's like, that's amazing. It has to understand <laughs> yeah. all of that Which input. is amazing that's today crazy. as well. Because in Blade Runner, yeah, in Blade Runner, when they're using like the, what's the test that they use where they're reading someone's eyes? Oh, I don't remember. Whatever the yeah, fuck whatever, that whatever eye that test is yeah. called. It's like, that's just a machine that does that eye yeah. test. Well, but the, and then like in Star Wars, the TIE Fighter, I know these are all future films, but like my idea is that like they're sort of, in the they 80s, feel... people's interpretations of high tech. And like also, the, they, they the, feel reasonable. Yeah, well, the Star Wars, like, TIE fighter tracking thing has yeah, that same right. kind of weird aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. somehow it feels fine. This just feels dumb. It does. So, he has this, like, yeah, it's, it's like this sort of um, low-res sprite computer simulation of, like, cells. what this monster is lo- looking at infecting other people. And, and it looks like over. an Atari 80s video yeah. game. And it's, like, like, probability that whole world will be infected is 75%. And he's yeah, sort of... it gives an he's sort in of hours like, estimate. Oh, my of, God. Yeah, it's, like, 27,000 <laughs> so, hours yeah. after first contact. It's, <laughs> so, like, that's... Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Callum and I were watching this and be like, oh, hold on. So did he write this program? Yeah. Exactly. Or did yeah, he yeah, just yeah. randomly have this program How that's this already got made? all this shit yeah. like <laughs> programmed into it? And 80s audiences must have just been dumb. <laughs> like, they must have just yeah. been like, I guess someone probably has written a computer program <laughs> that works like that. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so yeah, I guess like what so what kind of ensues and the thing that makes this uh, so I won't, I don't think there's yeah. too much point going into it more so than that. Yeah. Um, because people should 
you know, enjoy it on their own. But yeah. what ensues and what makes this a really interesting movie instead of just like a, a normal paranoid survival horror is that it, it has this added level of like murder on the Orient Express of... Uh, I was going to say, of- there's an Agatha Christie book called And Then There Were None, which is about people, 10 people that go on a... Um, like a holiday to this mansion house in the middle of nowhere and every day one more person gets murdered and it's right. it's like it's one of the 10 and you have no idea who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then over the course of the 10 like days that. people start dying and people get more and more suspicious of each other and as as the numbers dwindle it gets more and more tense. Right. So that, and it yeah, reminded that, me a lot of that. That's very similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, because this you you do have this like who done it witch hunt of trying to figure out yeah. right. Okay, so we know we now know that if you were alone with any of the potential like we know a couple of people were the thing. Yeah. And well cuz it takes we a few know, days for them to work out what's going on. Yeah. So they're like fuck, last Thursday who was alone with the dog? Yeah, you've you been were, alone with the you dog. Were, and then who the was dog. alone with you? Who was alone with you? Yeah. So they're trying to sort of do this backwards, so backwards. calculation. Yeah. And I think the interesting way that the film presents this story is that the audience doesn't know either no we, we're given information at the same yeah, time as the characters exactly. which is so good and there's never any exposition you just yeah. learn stuff on screen as other characters see or so hear it here's one cool thing that so right near the beginning of the movie where you watch the dog wandering around in the base and you don't quite know what the what's and going on with this dog yet like you shit. don't you don't know it's an alien yeah you but see you know that, it's weird yeah you see the dog walk into someone's room yep. and you just see like this this silhouette shadow on the wall are facing the same way as the dog. I noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, so, so yeah. So that is like, oh, the dog's going to that guy's room. You don't know who that is. Apparently, that shadow is meant to be a specific character. Yeah. But right. The director didn't want you to be able to guess who it was. So that shadow is just one of the crew members. So it was just any oh, random shadow. Cool. He, he didn't want you to be able to look at it. He just and wanted like, you to know oh, that it's it was, got a beard, so it must be one of these guys. Yeah. yeah or like, cool. oh, that looks kind of bald. So it was just right. someone. Oh, that's it was cool. like a random shadow. So it's it was supposed to be, and I'll show you. I've got a photo. I feel like so John Carpenter. So it was supposed to be that guy whose name is Palmer. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Which you find out towards the end of the movie. But then, so the whole film, the audience doesn't really know the timeline of like who is infected or who's not infected and you can't quite I had get no to grips idea at with any point what's in this going movie. on yeah. and so it's not to- until sort of towards the end of the movie where they sort of try and devise a test yeah. until you really sort of find out and so you get lots of just people having discussions and sort of trying to work out if they're lying to each other or trying to work out like who did this and who did this and mm. who, who sabotaged that and it's that. all very believable behavior too there's yeah. no like no one yeah I, I didn't feel at any point like anyone's behavior Oh, it was overly suspicious, overly gave them yeah. away. I didn't guess who was a thing and who wasn't. The whole time yeah. through, until there was a definitive point, I, I wasn't sure if Mac was the thing. Yeah, so you, um, know, you don't even know if the main character is one of the Because at one point, someone finds his jacket that's got, like, it's been wrecked and it's got blood on it and stuff. Yeah. And so it's like, right, well, I don't think that he is, but that is completely convincing evidence. Yeah, exactly. And so... I, and this could definitely be the kind of film where the protagonist is the whole time acting in its own self-interests by playing along with the game. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it was really, really good. I, I think I was very impressed with John Carpenter's direction in this. And also, I, I should look up who the, the scriptwriter was. Yeah. So, the screenplay was by Bill Lancaster. And it was based on, based on loosely based on a book by John Campbell called Who Goes There? So, Bill Lancaster uh, adapted it. And it he was didn't really like- do anything else. He did Bad News Bears, <laughs> um, uh, 1976. <laughs> 1976 American sports comedy film. <laughs> yeah, it's so like some film about really baseball nothing, or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it got remade recently. Anyway, mm. but this was something else. And, it was really uh, cool. And, and yeah, honestly, I think a lot of the credit has to go to Carpenter for the pacing and 
the way that we experience what the characters are going through. Yeah. Because especially for a horror film, you know, as you say, you're exposed at the same rate as the characters. So you're left reeling and kind of speculating alongside yeah. them. Often I noticed at the start of the film, especially you're so meant to be in the crew's shoes that sometimes the camera reveals information through a point of view shot. Like when they go to the Norwegian research base, Max says, uh, hey doc, come look at this. And the camera like walks forward and peeks over a railing. Yeah. And you see this big like ice coffin thing. And that's what Doc is doing. And then it pans back to Max's point of view and you see Doc. So you're kind of getting this first person I never really thought about that. view yeah. of these two characters. And it does that a fair bit. The and way the cinematography kind of tells the story. Yeah. And it, it very yeah. much, most of the camera placement is from the perspective of, or a very reasonable perspective of someone that would be there experiencing this. Yeah. So you're at eye level of the characters in a room, standing off in the corner. Yeah. Um, like you never really get to see the monster by itself. It's always... Like no. a crew member that you think is human interacting with some fuck situation. Right. And I guess that leads well into the next point that I was going to make, which is that um, another really notable thing about this movie is kind of the, the viscera and the gore and the monster. Um, yeah. Or monsters, I guess. Because yeah. um, they sort of spread and there are more and more of them. The yeah. gore props get shitloads of screen time. It doesn't do that thing where it gives you a quick second and then flashes away. It's they're, they're right fucking there for yeah. like large durations of time and, and it, they're fascinating to look at. Yeah, they're and, really grotesque. As we were talking about last week, this comes from a time where all special effects in the movie had to be done completely practical. in camera and yep. completely practically. And so they had this guy, the, the, ki the dude who built... So you have to build them. If you want, for example... Yeah. Uh, someone lying on an operating table and his chest bursts open and an alien comes out. You have to build a mannequin. You have to build a mechanism that makes the chest burst open. Yeah. And then you have to build a puppet alien that you can control from through the chest. Like yep. all sorts of logistical shit. You don't really oh, it's think funny. of. I, uh, when you were talking about this, I was going to like interject with um, <laughs> and John that Hurt's chest bursting yeah, yeah. In, in, um, in Alien well, 1. Well, that's the same sort of but thing. Yeah, and, and it, you're literally talking about. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about this movie as well. The guy that built all those effects was 22 years old. Yeah. He was just some Fuck, fucking that kid. that makes me feel like a massive failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's like just this special effects makeup expert. Genius, yeah. And we were talking sort of last week about like strawberry jam and mayonnaise and shit. Like just all sorts of weird yeah, this combinations was like of like a lot of like KY jelly yeah, and garage yeah. stuff yeah. that you um that just happens to look amazing. Some of these scenes and specifically for example, there's a scene where someone's being operated on and then their chest bursts open and yeah. this sort of alien morphed head thing comes out of the chest sprouts legs and runs away like a little spider that's like all one take yeah kind of which is and it's much more impressive if you know the scene we're talking about and it's, all the puppets puppetry and mechanisms and special effects rig that he had to build to make that happen to a 10 hours to set up yeah just to like put everything in place and then the first time they did it it like looked wrong and Carpenter yeah. wasn't happy with it yeah. and so they had to like go back and do it again and yeah. the, the, the actor that was on the table was in a harness for like 20 <laughs> hours to get this one shot and stuff <laughs> there's, there's a scene where so when that guy's being operated on it's, it's really cool he's, he's like putting a he's doing a defibrillator on his chest and right as he goes and pushes his arms down to defibrillate the chest the chest morphs into like giant jaws like he like punch, punches through skin yeah. and yeah there's just a pair of 
teeth underneath. It's like a giant mouth, like yeah. as, as big as... Like a more chest-sized maw. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then it chomps his arms off and he screams and runs away. Which sounds... The guy who screams and runs away was a double amputee stuntman. Yeah, with like a mask <laughs> on, like a latex a, face mask to on. To look like the actor. To look like the character, Apparently, yeah. the latex masks and like fake bodies they made, of fake copies of this actor's body that they made was so real that um, like... The special effects guy like had this body like propped up in his trailer at some point, and yeah. the actor guy's mate walked in and was like, "Oh God, put a shirt on!" And they yeah, didn't realize it was like it was... just a, a model. Yeah, which um, is pretty pretty crazy. Seriously impressive special effects. Yeah, really cool. And I guess like some of you guys like when I go into the more film analysis shit. I reckon <laughs> like thematically, I think one of the reasons why you find this stuff so kind of revolting. Yeah. Um, is it uh, for me personally? It kind of took a different approach to the uncanny valley where it was right. sort of like something's close to a human being but it's wrong and, and that's fine because you know it's an alien trying to morph into humans yeah and, but yeah. it sort of makes you speculate like right well how am i different from <laughs> this kind of like gore pile of bones and shit i've always thought you're just a gore pile of bones and right shit, boy. Yeah. yeah um we all, we're all just gore piles of bones <laughs> and stuff oh we then, all deep down yeah. Dust, gore pile of bones, dust. Is, <laughs> that's the life cycle. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think it's like he he's definitely going down that sort of... Um, I know that like... So from the Alien series, um, a lot of the art direction came from an artist called H.R. Geiger. Okay. Um, who was the, the guy that pretty much designed what the actual alien looks like. And yeah. one of the reasons why the alien's head is so like elongate and round and veiny is because a lot of his art literally was dicks and balls and vaginas... <laughs> With, like, what is, if you look back now, clearly the alien-looking theme running through it. Right. So, a lot of his art is really <laughs> heavily, like, sexually based. <laughs> so, never, like, like someone had, like, drawn a dick in your school diary and you in had high to, like, school and you had to, like, an turn it into something <laughs> yeah. else before yeah. your mum saw like, it. I reckon Same I thing. make an everlasting had, career out of it. He this. just had a scrapbook full of dicks and someone was like, that kind of looks like an alien. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. alien I'm a, pictures. I'm a movie artist. Mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he had a whole career to cover up for the fact that someone drew a dick in his school yeah, diary. Yeah, he's like, I just want out, but I can't drop the act now I'm in too deep um, if you look up this stuff he's, it's really interesting art to look at and That's you so can weird. kind of clearly work backwards and say like oh okay so um, Ridley Scott sort of saw this guy's art and was like god that's so horrifying and alien <laughs> Um, but <gasps> it got less it <laughs> alien. Got, yeah, and he's clearly like removed it once again from the sexual yeah. things. But I feel like this all and kind of um, John Carpenter's fascination with this sort of body horror style stuff is yeah. I- inherently a bit like visceral and sexual and yeah. um, and gross uh, in 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 another way. Really, kind of yeah, it's very muscly and, and bloody and yeah, like bony you see all these, all these and, tendrils and things that are kind yeah. of spooky and. Yeah, yeah so um, they were talking about how they visited this guy's workshop and he was like sculpting all the grotesque morphed bodies and shit. Mm-hmm. And he said it was like this really macabre artwork. Environment. And it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. But it was also yeah. like really gross and it's sickening. It's so gross to look at, which yeah. is why I'm glad it gets so much screen time and they don't shy away from yeah. that. That's It's like, you're here watching this. And so, so are they. They don't want to see this either. But yeah. yeah. So this guy worked apparently full time, seven days a week for 57 days. Sorry, like 57, 57, 57 weeks, weeks yeah. for more than a year, yep. um, sculpting all this and designing all the effects and working on set, doing all this shit. <laughs> After which he was apparently like sent to a hospital. Admitted to hospital, yeah. But really committed to the whole thing. And John Carpenter really cared about having these great effects on screen. And I think the movie is all the best. Yeah. For it. And as we know from watching a few of these 80s, uh, a few of these older horror films recently, like Alien and that, a lot of the older horror movies were just a guy in a suit. 
And John yeah. Carpenter specifically said in an interview, he says I he, don't was, want he, that. he didn't. He wanted to make it very clear that wasn't what he was doing. Yeah, because <laughs> there's back. no way this could have been a human. Like, yeah. a head on legs crawling by itself. Yeah. can't be acted by a human being. Exactly. So yeah. it makes you kind of. You either have to process this as oh that's an animatronic puppet, or yeah. you've got to process it as that's actually a, a biological creature. fucking real. It's amazing. Yeah, well, see, it's, it's I, crazy. Just, I just went through with a friend of the show Gina the other week, and we were watching all these really old like forties horror movies. Yeah, like uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon, yeah, and like Frankenstein, the most guy in a and suit, Dracula. Guy in a suit. Yeah, and they're all just yeah. guy in a suit. And interestingly, I think in the first, ma- so the the thing. Uh, is a remake. The '82 film is a remake of like a 1959 film or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and that was like guy in a suit. <laughs> it was like a Frankenstein's monster style thing. Monster. Yeah. Um, and John Carpenter was like, I absolutely don't want that. Yeah. I absolutely want something that is not human, but is a threat to humanity. Yeah. Um. So yeah, really, really interesting, really cool movie. Um. It's it it its aesthetic is really appealing. Also, so the cinematography really, is really, really beautiful cool. Coloring in this film. So some there are some great shots where like they're sort of wandering through this sort of half-wrecked Arctic base at night and everything's blue and mm. maybe the and only light flares, is coming from a flare. Which is so bright red. Yeah, or like the only light is coming from like a, Fire. a, a single flame yeah. or something, yeah. which is some really cool shots. One of my favorite shots was when Mac is recording that voice tape for posterity. Yeah. But like, oh, if anyone finds this. And if you look at that shot, there's like three completely differently lit areas of the frame within one shot. Yeah. There's like the hallway, which is lit by fluoros, and then Mac, who's like in the dark with like a, a light. Like and then behind him, lit, it's all yeah. blue. <laughs> Loki lit again. <laughs> I need to um, be able to use that phrase without it being fucking millennialized, okay? <laughs> That's a real phrase. Ugh. <laughs> Um, and I hate my generation. The, and right at the end of the film, where it's all um, like the base is on fire, and he's like wandering through this flaming wreck of a base. That's really cool lighting yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, um, and a lot of this movie is blue, and it's cold, yeah. and it's icy. Um, and then you you have these like really stark contrasts with like the animatronics and and the um, the props yeah. that are obviously like red and bloody, like strawberry jam red. And, yeah. Um, yeah, really, well, really, really, really cool. If we can talk about a bit of the writing and the, the dialogue type stuff, I thought one of the best strengths of the film, adding to that sort of feeling of mystery and paranoia, mm. was the way in which it didn't really introduce it to any of the characters and the way the yeah. story kind of unfolds in that mysterious kind of way. Um, I was trying to, right after we finished watching the film, I think the first thing most people are probably going to do is Google like timeline of events in The Thing. And I'd I, say most people that just watched the film didn't do that. <laughs> I, I did, nerd. and because you you sort of want to work out like right. So the dog gets there. Who does the dog infect first? Mm. And, and then it, it does think, take place over a much longer period yeah. of time than you would think. Because occasionally a character will say something like, "You haven't slept for three days or whatever," and yeah, you saw them shit. awake the just before what yeah. they're talking about. So you're like, "Oh fuck, it's been three days yeah. or whatever." And so yeah. there's a lot of things, but like I think the first human you see that's affected by the monster is actually the third human to be infected. Yeah. And so there's a couple sort of but you don't find skip, that out until you don't find out until later. later. Yeah. So this, I've got a, a post that someone written here on like one of those question and answer type forums where he says it's very difficult to say with certainty um, what the timeline of events is in the film which is precisely what Carpenter was going for he doesn't really want you to know much about what who's infected and when it happened um you don't actually see the dog assimilating anyone, for example. You no. just see it wandering through the base and you have this sort of sneaking suspicion. And, and the suspicion. way that you find out that it has been is through accusations. Yeah, exactly. Where a character is like, how long are you alone with that dog for, man? 
Yeah. Um, so he says, we don't, we don't have access to any other information about the timeline of infection because John Carpenter deliberately chose to avoid setting up such a timeline. Yeah, really when he's cool. asked about these kinds of questions in interviews, he always just says, oh, I don't know. And as far as we can tell, he's being completely honest yeah. and candid. He doesn't know because if anyone knew, it, re- it would reduce the effectiveness of the movie's central theme of paranoia and uncertainty. Yeah. There's this veil of uncertainty that can be never lifted and it sort of adds to the psychological impact of yeah, the film. I hadn't really thought about it, but you, that's, that is really, really effective because you don't like as much as we were talking about they have to try and like piece this thing together yeah um, they don't piece 100% of it together. Like, for it's, example, there's no Max, Poirot moment yeah. where you're like, ah, but at this point in time, it yeah. was, uh, and so this Max is Max shredded jacket, you never find out where that came from or who placed that, because yeah, someone and, would and have had to plant that. they speculate about it, because they say, like, you oh, someone just could have gone up to my fucking shack and gotten my jacket and done yeah. that to frame, kind of frame yeah. me. But, yeah, you never get an answer. You see a lot and of, like... so much of this, this, this information that in order to certainly establish whether or not someone's been infected or not, you would need yeah. to find this thing out. And you just can't. There's you just never no do. way to find like, that. There's a lot out. of scenes where, like, someone's wandering around in the snow, and they see someone running, like, a, like a dark figure running in the distance, and they go, "Hello," yeah. and you never find out who that is. Like, and that happens yeah. like six times, yeah. where you, you never find out who it was that just disappeared in that door quickly. Yeah. And like, there are lots of things where, like, they work. Out, okay, we could definitely work out who the thing is if we go and get our blood samples and test that, yeah. and then the blood samples are destroyed, and you never find out who did that. Yeah. Um. And someone came up with the idea. Yeah. So it's like who. Uh, it's probably not the guy that came up with the idea, but they could also be working together. And really, oh, really, really cool. cool. And the there's actually um, just a, a side note for our, for our uh, video game fans, listeners, <laughs> of which I am one. Um, there was a uh, 2011 video game, I think. Oh shit! Really? Oh no! It came out earlier than 2011. It was quite old actually 2002 um <laughs> which was really old because the video games hadn't really weren't really doing complicated stuff like this <laughs> they made a, a third person shooter horror video game um but oh, really cool. the thing that's cool about it is that they they you so you play as a member of this crew and your crew has paranoia levels all of your crew right and if the paranoia of any individual character gets too high through like seeing the thing or like crazy. being too cold or whatever. Yeah, they can go crazy and start like shooting at their own crew members and you have to like try and reassure them. Oh, that's a cool premise. It had, like, yeah, really cool, like interesting. Uh, uh, it didn't get a lot of um, of traction, but I think people liked it. Yeah. Um, and it's a cool fucking idea. This is a great video game premise. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, so yeah, I hope someone someone does a really good job with that. In, yeah. Uh, in the future, yeah, um, and, and so then the acting oh, and the fuck, performance, the music yeah. of this film, by the way, <laughs> I didn't. I, Ennio I Morricone, Ennio yeah. Morricone, who did the, the same, um, so he has now the done the good, the bad, and the ugly. He did the sound. He did the score for the good, the bad, and the ugly way back in 1966. Yeah. He did the score for this film in 1982, and he's also done the score for The Hate for Late, which came out like a few years ago, yeah, like 2015 or yeah, something. Yeah, he's a he's a he's dude, a big dude has been doing tremendously successful iconic film soundtracks for like 50 years. Yeah. Yep, he's a he's a big name. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. Something about the uh, while we're on music, a lot of the sound effects you get of this are really eighties. Like it's like a, you. Oh, it's a point. Someone gets punched. Gets punched and I, noticed like a, that, whoosh, I noticed which that. I noticed punch. No more convincing than funny. if I had just. It's like it was, they just it recorded was, the sound guy going. Whoosh, and it yeah. sounds like that. <laughs> it was real bad. That was the worst thing that yeah. happened in this entire movie. Was Something, that specific punch sound effect. My favorite bit of music in the whole film my favorite use of music yeah. happened towards the end of the movie oh, yeah. right at the very very end as the thing is finally this giant monster that Kurt Russell is sort of set up to try and blow up he's going to blow up the whole base and take the monster down with it yeah. um, there's like, like two or three people left and they all split up 
you see one of them die and there's just two people left. It's Kurt Russell and this other guy, Childs, who sort of comes out of nowhere and Kurt's like, oh, where, where were you? Yeah. Where, where, are you, where, have have you it, where have you been? And it sets this up so you have no idea whether this guy is now infected or not. Yeah. And the final scene is them sitting down outside the ruins of their like flaming destroyed base. And Kurt is kind of like, well, I have no idea if you're one of the things. And Child's like, I have no idea if you're one of the things. And yep. he goes, well, fuck. I mean, if either of us are infected, we're both not in any state to really be putting up much of a fight. So let's just, let's just sit down and chill out. And they both sit down and share a bottle of scotch. And then the movie cuts. And that's the end. But then the music they use at the end is this really creepy, foreboding music yeah. that I think changes the whole feeling of the ending. Mm. Like that could have been a nice wrapped up ending and a nice quiet way of going out. But just because of the way they use this foreboding, creepy, like music keeps you right on right on the edge. And that goes the whole way through the closing yeah, credits. It's this, very like, unnerving. Really creepy, unnerving, foreboding music, which and changes the, the whole is, feeling of the ending. Yeah, I thought it was really the, cool. One of the points of, of um, Mac going and blowing up the base is to stop this thing from getting back to the rest of the humans right yeah but they've got a if they don't have uh, so they lost contact with the outside world because someone destroyed the radios yeah and if they don't contact the outside world they'll send a rescue team to come in yeah and so like the the game plan before the end of the f- movie is for them to just wait out a rescue team coming through yeah right but if one of them is still infected they obviously don't want that to happen and they realize spread that through to the rest of the world one of the things ways that it can win is by just freezing outside because it can survive that and then being thawed by the rescue team yeah. and then infecting those guys. So, yeah, they really want that to not happen. Uh, but then at the end, when neither of them are quite sure if the other one's been infected or not, I think we know that Mac isn't. isn't. Yeah. But we don't know if Childs is. Yeah. And so it's whether or not Childs is that kind of like specter of the, the threat to the rest of humanity. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was such yeah. a cool way to use music that completely changed the, the meaning of the ending because the yeah. ending wouldn't have been that creepy, I don't think, if it wasn't for the fact that it cuts to this really mysterious foreboding music that sort of keeps the mystery going. Yeah. I thought it was a really cool use of music. It's yeah, one of the first times I sort of noticed it. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's I awesome. didn't really notice it, but yeah, no, now that you yeah. bring it up, I think it's cool. Um, <laughs> Good. Yeah, I had something else on that. Oh, I was just going to say, like, probably an artifact of its time, but... Yeah. Um, there are no women in this film, no. um, and no. it's just very much like a. Um, it's noticeable. It's yeah. There's like 15 men, and it's just <laughs> a it's just a 80s guy action movie. Yeah. But it deserves a lot more credit than that initially sounds because what yeah. Carpenter is doing with that is extremely good. Yeah. Um, well, but I think if this were made today, and uh, you know there was a sequel made in 2011 that used mm. a lot of CG and it wasn't very good and it was actually, it's meant to be a direct prequel to this movie that yeah. literally ends on the events leading up to the second cool like, idea for a prequel. one. Cool idea for a prequel, but when you, I looked at a comparison yeah. between the two, it reuses exact plot beats Right from the first one, yeah, kind of it would it would be the same thing. Even with like Alien. someone, even like someone going crazy and getting shot in through the eye with a pistol, <laughs> to the like, so I- exactly the same shit. Right, um, which is so weird for. Well, a it's prequel. exactly the same it's premise. Like an wanted, alien goes and takes takes over an Arctic base. It's just like three hundred meters that it's, way. It's like they wanted a both a remake mm. and a prequel. And right. they did both. It's okay. so weird. Well, I suppose if you never seen the eighties one, it'd, it'd be appealing. But it seems weird to just directly yeah, do it. But yeah. it was it was it was not good. And some of the dialogue was absolute dog shit. Yeah. Anyway, the point is that was a much more like balanced cast and crew. Yeah. But didn't have that same kind of pacing and well well constructed 
cinematography and whatever and, yeah. and so it's yeah i wish that it was both but unfortunately yeah just a bit of a product of its time so yeah for anyone looking for kind of a gender balanced <laughs> movie it's not here but oh. it's good it's i really thought it was good. such a cool film i was all in and like totally engaged and loving the film even before any of the monster shit happened yeah something about the way they presented the set and the arctic base and the camaraderie between all these characters mm. and sort of watching the world get set up was so intriguing and, and i was so watching how cool. they made it they were actually filming it in a place that was like often 30 or 40 degrees celsius uh, I think it was in like on a soundstage in California or the something. Se- yeah, so the, it, it was in like California, like hot Californian kind of like yeah. suburb, suburban area. Yeah. But they would cool the soundstage down to zero degrees Celsius to yeah, get good. the right um, kind of atmosphere. Because everyone's so wearing like six fucking and jackets and shit. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's amazing that they managed to create something that feels so much like an Arctic environment, yeah. Antarctic, <laughs> but it is filmed in California. It's yeah. actually incredible. I assumed the whole way through this movie that they were filming on set in Antarctica. Yeah, it looks like they have to. There's that one shot where it's like they're standing on like one little patch of snow and all around them is like grass and blue sky and sun and shit and so they would have had to like copy that patch of snow out for the whole shot because it's a really wide yeah, shot. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Shit describing on a podcast but like yeah, it's really, you're like, oh wow. There, was... there are big sweeping shots yeah. of snow and they filmed it on, in a field. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it is really effective. Um, oh, one thing that I was going to say, and I, I mentioned this last yeah. week with E.T. Yeah. Apparently, this film... So, so, this cost 15 million bucks to make. It made $19 million at the box office, yeah. which is real shit. Because um, it came out like... Like two weeks or something. After or like e. a month after E.T. E.T. And is this charming like, little alien boy. Yeah. And, and then John this one Carpenter is all this grotesque, like, macabre John shit. Carpenter being like, I don't want a puppet. I don't want a guy in a suit. And then the entire world just being like, oh, we love the little <laughs> puppet guy in a suit from Spielberg. <laughs> and <laughs> Carpenter was just like, well, <sighs> I made something that's a little different to that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so it, it, it did not do very well at the box office. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I reckon it's a way fucking better movie than E.T. I seriously think... I mean, like every every week... I think Spielberg's I, a douche. Every but. week, I get surprised by the segment we decided to do better than, worse than, by not being prepared for it. Yeah. But I I seriously think it's one of the coolest yeah, movies I've ever seen. headed it off in the past this time. <laughs> yeah. I think that The Thing is one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I learned about I it I really, through, really enjoyed I it. I learned about it through the video game and thought, fuck, that's cool, and then learned yeah. that it was based on a movie, and then learned the movie had all these cool props and stuff in it, and yeah. like, was really gory, and that was what kind of what made me want to watch it. I was like, why is that so famous? Yeah. And it's... It's lasted because it's excellent. So really great. Yeah, I really. This is definitely one of my favorite yeah. horror films. And I, and I thought the feeling of isolation was just so strong. Apparently, it was such a cool yeah. setting. Yeah. The idea that like, and now that I think about it, they're kind of living on the edge of society. It's kind of like a little western. It kind of it had some a western kind of vibes. Yeah. I mean, Kurt Russell is literally Russell's dressed up as like a cowboy big, kind of yeah, thing. He's got a, a a real big western guy. Also, interestingly enough, Kurt Russell, massive libertarian, so it runs <laughs> in go. the fucking vein. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, um, no, I thought it was really yeah. great. I don't have a, a better than or worse than ready, well, but I, think I seriously it's think fucking better than ET. Yeah. Um, right. Well, again, not, they're not really related other than they have aliens in them. I think that there's a, there's a fine line between horror movies that are no fun to watch because they're just fucking terrifying yeah. and horror movies that aren't scary at all and they're just cute. Mm. I think this movie, like Hereditary, for example. I think I Hereditary was better than this, but it's but doing I would, different I things. I was having no fun while watching it. It was terrifying the whole time. It was a good movie, but it was terrifying. <laughs> I, this had, movie, I had fun because it yeah. was good. But yeah, it was exactly. Also you know what I mean? Terrifying. You know what I mean, though? Like, yeah. pe- people are like, experience. why would you watch this? This was really fun to watch. This was captivating, this was enthralling, so cool. compelling. Yeah. And yeah, so I really think, good. depending on like what what you're looking for in a horror film, this could be better than Hereditary. This is a more definitely a more. I think ex- more people would enjoy this. Definitely a more accessible, more enjoyable film than Hereditary. Yeah. And yeah. so I think it's not really a horror film. It's not, we're saying it's all grey macabre. It's not. It's not like 
gross out type stuff. I think it's definitely mm, like on the on the a scale bit of meant to be, like Hereditary, for example, is way grosser than this. Well, like the piano wire scene from Hereditary, yeah, is it's really fucking full on. A lot more, and like the headless shit. Yeah, it's like that's meant to be realistic. This yeah. isn't meant to be quote unquote realistic. It's alien kind but of it's gore, completely different. which makes it all right, I think. And I, I, I think in a good way, like literally alien Ridley Scott yeah. alien. It's like that kind of gore where it's clearly sci-fi gore. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's not trying to f- kind of be that terrifying Hereditary thing yeah it's just trying to be interesting yeah and it is it's fascinating and i can't think of a worse than i think this is one of the one of the best examples of this genre that i've ever seen um, i think it was yeah, really really cool. definitely definitely it's also better than the fly i thought yeah I, it was I, much better yeah because they're both going for body horror yeah. in, the, in the 80s and interestingly enough, i liked i liked the fly they were totally different styles of i film. don't think i did i think yeah. it was like uh, i don't know uh, maybe it was because i was unfavorably comparing it to the mm. thing but the fly came out Five or four years after yeah. the thing. And I really feel like it could have learned some lessons and didn't. You well, know? I feel like it was going for a different kind of vibe as well. Like this was, was all about was. isolation and paranoia and like this one little bottle bottle episode kind of base. Yeah. And what happens there. Um, we could probably launch into talking about The Fly. Yeah, I think I'm kind of do done with the thing. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I think it's Strongly definitely recommend. worth watching. And we haven't really spoiled enough of the film. Oh, you won't ruin know. It. You won't You're not going to know what's going on. I mean, on. We, we did mention that um, Mac... You know Mac by the end of the yeah, film. Yeah, okay, right, them, fine. But, but I think it'll still be an enjoyable experience. Definitely. We, we've definitely, definitely discussed the ending in detail. Maybe we have spoiled a bit, but it's, it's really worth going back and watching. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, right. The blood testing scene, by the way, just quickly. The blood, the blood testing, testing scene, which is the test the that they advise, yeah. should be shit, and it's just really good. Because it's the really, way that really they've good. led up to that, where you have no idea yeah. who is going to be, who is going to test positive and who's not for being the fucking thing yeah. is really good. No, that was, I was just watching that scene being like, fuck, is it going to be this guy? And it really draws it out. Like, it shows you them doing guy, the same test not. for like six different dudes. Yeah, and, it's, and it, it doesn't end up skimming through it quicker to get you to an answer faster. Yeah. It's e- evenly paced for everyone. Yeah, it's really good. Really, 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 really liked that. Anyway, The Fly. Different director. Uh, so this is David Cronenberg, who's kind of famous. He's uh, actually much more famous than John Carpenter for this body horror stuff. Yeah. But I think doesn't do as good a job. You don't think really. so? I, see, I, I haven't been... I think yeah, the, I just preferred the thing, yeah, I guess. Both of these guys, I weren't necessarily... I wasn't very familiar with at all. But mm. they're both people whose names are really thrown around a lot as being quite famous. I'm slightly ashamed to admit that I learned who David Cronenberg was from the Rick and Morty episode where he turns the <laughs> Rick whole says, like Cronenberg's. Cronenberg monsters. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that made me look into him and yeah, I, I became interested. And you received a copy of The Fly as a present. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, friend of, of friend of the show, Patrick Happy and Zoe. Birthday, for buddy. Thanks, boy. Yeah. This is a very special belated birthday episode. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> friend of the show, Pat and Zoe, very kindly donated a whole bunch of exciting little films to my collection. Didn't need to, and I'm very grateful. The Fly was one of them, and I really enjoyed being able to watch it because it's not the sort of film that I was able, that I've been very familiar with at yeah, all. Yeah, this was not... So, I, I wanted to do... And I'm really enjoying watching I all these 80s sort of horror movies. We've, we've done a whole bunch, whole run of them. Mm, yeah. It's been good. I also want to look at Alien. Again, we've got to start yeah. discussing what we might do on, <laughs> <laughs> on recording. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to do a bunch of like really Scott shit. No, absolutely. Um, I think the, the, the most famous films that David Cronenberg has probably done that I've heard of. Videodrome. Videodrome, Scanners, The Fly, Dead Ringers. That's probably about he, it. His career really has died. <laughs> He's still yeah. still riding on the laurels of having made a bunch of these. A bunch of these weird movies in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, to be honest, I don't think... he's. I, I looked up... He directed a film in like 2014 that's just <laughs> been released to like... 
straight 50s on Metacritic. People oh, just shit. like, yeah, well, yeah whatever, John, dude. John Carpenter, <laughs> John Carpenter released a film in 2011 with Amber Heard um, yeah. that was like apparently r- r- written off as like, it's a good film, but it's just the most derivative bullshit. Yeah. But it's probably derivative of his own work. <laughs> yeah, could have been. And he said, actually, people... That, so I, I another thing that made me interested in this yeah. and, and reminded me that the thing was something I wanted to watch was that I uh, heard about an interview where he said, he's considering directing, but right now he's just enjoying just enjoying spending time with his family and playing video games. Oh, really? So, yeah. John, John Carpenter? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's cute. When you growing up in the 80s, I think it was pretty easy for like white dudes to be pretty big video game fans. Yeah. You know, having like been around for the birth of that new technology. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Go him. Cool guy. Go him. So, David Cronenberg and yep. The Fly. So, the protagonist, I guess, is Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. So, that gets a lot of people on board, I think. This is the youngest I've ever seen him. He looks fucking amazing. Yeah, he must have been, I don't know when he was born, but he kind of been older than sort of late 20s, early 30s, right? Yeah, he looks really young. young. He's got like a, he's got like a long... 80s, uh, 80s he's got like a Freddie Mercury kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. haircut <laughs> going on he looks fantastic um, mm. Jeff Goldblum is so fucking weird yeah, in and everything he's, he's I in, see of it he's in fine form in this he, one he plays like super Jeff Goldblum yeah. in this with all these like manic little lines and things they definitely cast him as like the the fucked out academic who like doesn't really know how to properly interact with people but yeah. it's very excitable when he's talking about like science yeah. bullshit so the, the name of the protagonist is Seth Brundle who yeah is a, a a brilliant but eccentric scientist yeah and he meets uh, this <laughs> Veronica Quaif which is a <laughs> Turns out the terrible fakest fucking name, ever. name sometimes referred to as Ronnie um <laughs> She's a science journalist, and they meet, and he, they, I guess, fall in love, kind of. They yeah. start, start boning. He shows her that he's got these kind of, like, telepod things in his room, which can teleport one thing to another. And he's never tried away. it with living things before. He, like, teleports yeah. objects and shit. And, and he the, can't yeah. figure out the, the, the missing piece to yeah. try and do some shit. Anyway, one night, he gets kind of drunk, um, and he's pissed about... Um, Ronnie, it's a really hooking, weird reason to be back up with It's really she wasn't hooking back up with him. It's like her boss, who she used to date, is like stalking he's, he's like weirdly jealous he gets about all his mad and upset. Her ex or something. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I'm gonna get drunk and teleport myself, <laughs> as we all do. So he does. Yeah, yeah, that was the '80s version of cranking one out, just <laughs> teleporting yourself. Drunk and teleporting yourself. So he uh, he tries to teleport himself. Successfully does so, but well, um, we all say we're gonna teleport ourselves, but no one actually does it. It's the premise of the movie. Uh, he doesn't realize that there is a fly trapped in the chamber with him. When he hits, like, when go. When he hits, go. Yeah. Um, and so, at first, he doesn't realize something's happened, but then it becomes apparent that the computer... And we get, like, some more 80s computer more screen 80s computer shit, yeah. Where it's, like, accidentally merged with unknown or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, three percent fly DNA detected, or yeah, like, whatever. Do you want to abort? No. Nope. Um, anyway, so yeah, we, we we find out that his his DNA has been mixed with this fly, and so he has like fly DNA, and and, slowly... and rather than immediately be apparent, what happens is like a Kafka esque. Well, no, because I was going to say Kafka esque like metamorphosis returns into a giant cockroach. Uh-huh. It's a Kafka story where a guy wakes up and he's a giant cockroach, but this <laughs> isn't where he wakes up and is a giant fly. He gradually morphs into. into a fly. fly and which makes no sense but i've just gotta well, no, no, gotta do away you guys fine. absolutely fine. need to leave he's, already, he's invented teleportation so you both can't. of these <laughs> yeah exactly so both of these movies um are body horror films based on kind of like genetic alterations of human beings i guess yeah yeah i i felt like the fly didn't go as well 
but there's just a big difference in the director, the directing of John Carpenter versus the directing yeah. of David. Cronenberg. Well, see, I definitely felt like there was a lot of weird sitcommy stuff in The Fly. Where it's like, what am I watching? Like there was, there was, there was a good like in a restaurant at one point, like yeah. eating a piece of cake and coffee. Or yeah, whatever. there was yeah. a good twenty minutes of like, isn't this isn't this a horror movie? Why why am I watching? Jeff Goldblum talking about how he's jealous of his girlfriend's ex or something. Yeah, and it was a um, good example of where like John Carpenter does that kind of slow burn directing, which paces the film really well and makes tension. Yeah. Whereas David Cronenberg did that slow directing where you're just like, when the fuck is anything going to happen well, see, in this stupid movie? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the difference is that in the, in the, in the thing, nothing's kind of happening, but it's building the suspense and tension yeah. that kind of it then uses later. Yep. Whereas in The Fly, it's kind of nothing happening and it's kind of a bit of it's sort of working you up for the first 20 minutes and it doesn't ever use that no because yeah. then it's sort of the, the, the kind of film it is kind of changes yeah I definitely once it gets going and the transformation starts and you sort of see Jeff Goldblum's character get a bit more manic and a bit more freaked out and his behaviour starts to change I think that's definitely where I started to enjoy it and I started to yeah really be interested in it and sort of interested in what's going on getting into some of the elements of the movie Jeff Goldblum's performance in this was highly praised at the time oh, I thought it was good yeah you know like sometimes he twitches his head kind of like a fly <laughs> yes. and i felt like people were amazed by that oh at the time God. they're like it looks exactly like a giant fly it's like they actually so, imagined him with a fly yeah so that was a bit he studied flies for fucking he probably actually did, he? did. no i don't know oh, but right. he probably did and like yeah it's interesting seeing a man who's slowly like growing fucked skin and whatever like moves twitches <laughs> the head effects around were really and, impressive and eat a bit of sugar yeah uh, um, again the, all the makeup and shit was really impressive yeah like, and i guess that's a, that that is a really big part of like this if movie. someone had told me they i haven't bothered to look it up but if someone had told me you know that won an academy award for like makeup you know how like weird films i think it are, literally did well there you go i, think I, it did. I would yeah. believe that because yeah. it's re- yeah really really seriously impressive mm. like the sorts of things where you find out like <laughs> the call of duty won a the call of, there isn't this but it'll be like you know the call of duty movie won a an oscar yeah you'd be like what for they'd be like oh for best gun props set design like, or whatever oh, okay. yeah yeah <laughs> um no this actually did win an academy award for uh best makeup right there you go so, yeah. yeah and i guess like what was it contesting like Star against? Wars, like a Star Wars won an Oscar drama for best or effects. something. Yeah exactly. yeah, exactly. It's just like, well, what else was trying to even do something as <laughs> fucked as this? Like, <laughs> a lot of this movie revolved entirely around the prosthesis and the makeup and the effects. Yeah. So, sure. It yeah, won. exactly. Great. My, my overall read of this is beyond that gimmick, it actually wasn't a particularly interesting movie. Yeah, I don't Beyond the transformation yeah. of... Goblin into the fly whereas yeah. you know in, in the thing you've got this like threat of the, the constant paranoia and the creature is is like it could be anyone and sometimes it reveals itself and it's grotesque and stuff yeah. but it doesn't it, like it's it, do, it doesn't rely on that as a crutch and I felt yeah. like the fly does it kind of relies on that yeah I wish I could have maybe seen more of their relationship and more of like her trying to deal with it because I think that could have been a way to make, the, make it a bit more compelling yeah. like maybe if she had sort of because I feel like really all, all you really see is her bursting into his lab three times and mm. every time she does that he's a bit more he looks a bit more fucked and she goes oh my god you look fucked and then like yeah, you look more <laughs> fucked than the last time that's it yeah but I, th- yeah. I think that like maybe if he'd try and like I don't know get back to normality or something if yeah. there was some kind of driving effort to improve his lifestyle or something while yeah. it was happening that might have been a bit more impressive or if she was trying to sort of struggle through it and sort of pretend it wasn't happening maybe that would have been alright but think as that- it was like it was just, it was just like oh this is happening to Jeff Goldblum he's just going to accept it's happening yeah. she's just going to tell him she look, he looks fucked and that's the movie yeah and part of what I, I almost got like a Nosferatu vibe from the relationship between him and the Ronnie in the, Ronnie the main character Ronnie. <laughs> the main character in um, 
well, Nosferatu, there's this female character, I can't remember her name, and she's kind of like constantly mesmerized, but you never get really a representation of her internal state or yeah. her motivation. It's just clear that she's kind of... Well, that film was also made in like 1928 yeah, yeah, or some yeah, shit. Yeah, of course, but, and, and that's why I don't think it reflects favorably that I yeah. got that impression from this, because we get... Her internal motivation is very superficial and was like very hard for me to kind of understand. Yeah. I didn't know why she was doing certain things, why she was struggling so hard with it. I suppose that's what I was why, yeah, trying to get I, at, yeah. is the idea that you don't really know why Ronnie even gives a fuck about and this Jeff, guy. Because if I were her, I would just be like, what, fuck that, I'm out of here. I yeah. wouldn't like try and kind of rescue him. He looks like this fucked radioaction, radioactive burned creature like yeah. it's disgusting I don't think yeah. that she would try and love him I suppose him that's the still. thing she's sort of like half acidly. you don't really see her trying to love him but you don't, she doesn't leave she either it's sort of like halfway in the middle yeah. so it's like oh, if you're going to go with that go with that yeah and also I don't buy that you wouldn't tell anyone or like report <laughs> it to police or whatever anyway yeah. I didn't like the characterization. I thought that and, and the other thing so there are two kind of main characters there's, there's Ronnie and and, and um Brundle <laughs> and his internal motivation is like oh he's a mad scientist Jeff Goldblum. Fucker yeah. yeah Jeff Goldblum's character he just wants to discover the secret to teleportation and yeah. once he teleports himself as soon as he actually realizes that he's transforming into the fly I wanted him to start working on a cure and try and yeah, find a cure yeah. but he kind of just, he just accepts it and then he becomes part of his transition into being a fly is like searching for a reason to exist <laughs> and he's like oh being this new the next step in not like the next step in evolution but like the you know the biggest scientific discovery of the century is my reason for existing and i'm going to keep existing because of it yeah but then he inexplicably also wants other people to be that and he tries to merge himself and it's getting into a bit of spoilers i guess yeah he tries to like merge himself with ronnie and he wants her to become like a part. They want he wants to unify him, the fly, and her into one being. Yeah. And I was like, why does he want to do that? That doesn't make. That's just that felt like unexplained horror movie bullshit. Where he's just like, I want everyone to be like me. Well, because he's he's still a genius. He just looks fucked. And so it's like, why is he suddenly thinking? Yeah, if he's capable of the, well. if he, exactly, and if he's capable of that level of like introspection and analysis of himself, why does he also want this? unnecessary kind of like malicious <laughs> evil thing to yeah. happen. And I just wasn't particularly happy with like any of the internal motivations of the characters. Yeah. Um, and I think it would have been reasonably easy for Cronenberg to do a better job of that. Yeah. So that's why I guess kind of beyond the, the fucked makeup, which is, you know, grotesque. And I was, there were like, you know, this is the kind of movie where some things will happen and you'll just be like, Oh. Well, yeah, you joked. I think we can probably spoil it. I'm yeah. going to spoil it. You, you joked at the start of the movie as soon as we sort of found out he was turning into a fly. You're like, oh, what's he going to do with this chick? Is he going to like vomit on her and start licking it up? And then times. that literally happens later in the yeah. movie where he starts like vomiting on this guy and his his skin melts down to the bone. Which, and, again, like, oh. boy, is that not how digestive enzymes work. <laughs> and there's but. a lot of shit with like his fingernails. Like, his fingernails start peeling off. Yeah, that you know, like that black A lot of shit you watch and you're like, oh! She pulls the hangnail back and it goes like all the way up her finger yeah um, yeah like <laughs> darren aronofsky's definitely taken a bit of a bit of influence from that yeah because um, like black swan is an example of modern day body horror yeah. where like she has that knee cracking transformation and shit yeah um and i think that you know that's a good example of how a film can not rely on the body horror stuff but just use it as a really good kind of horrible moment yeah um, thinking about characterization have you ever read flowers for algernon no. This movie kind of reminded me of that. I don't like so, books. <laughs> that's a joke. Um, that's a joke. I love books. Yeah, I love books. <laughs> Flowers for Algernon is a movie. It's a book that was written in like, I think the 50s or the 60s or something. And it's told in the form of a diary 
by this like guy who's severely mentally handicapped and it's about his life story fictionalized obviously about this sort of science experiment drug trial that some university has come up with where they've worked out a way to cure his I absolutely m- mental this. his yeah, mental handicapness yeah, 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 yeah. and instead of just curing him, it turns him into a genius gradually yep. over the course of like weeks. That's and right. so it's a diary and it's, it's really well written and it's, it's kind of related to what, this kind of reminded me of this, why I'm mentioning it. Um, you sort of sort of discover this guy sort of as he writes in his diary, get more and more intelligent, become self-aware yeah, of his own transformation yeah. and become sort of ashamed of what he was before. Yep. And as his relationships with his friends change, he sort of thinks about how that's affected by the way he presents himself and his sort of mental handicap or not. And then as a spoiler for flowers for Algernon out of nowhere, he slowly starts to lose it again and yep. he slowly starts to become more and more mentally handicapped yeah. and less and less intelligent. It's kind of a Plato's cave thing where he gets taken out of the cave and then yeah. is, is being forced back into yeah. it. Yeah. But in the same way, like this person who becomes this genius undergoing this terrible transformation, the characterization is really interesting. And I think that was something that I sort of, did enjoy on a superficial level about the fly was the, the way in which Jeff Goldblum's character started to change as it went through the film sure. and the sort of personal journey that he goes through. And sort of, I sort of maybe, maybe trying to logic it out now, the reason why he sort of goes a bit crazy is because of that. Like yeah. he sort of, he's physically, he changes and he sees himself in the mirror and that sort of induces these mental changes maybe. Mm. But I thought it was really interesting. I think getting into also like some of the, some of the kind of more academic shit around this. There's some weird pregnancy themes going on where like oh, that was, that was really they've gross. obviously they had sex and uh, I I think some of it must have been post his teleportation and so she's like oh have I been infected with like this fly baby thing yeah and I wasn't really sure how like I I felt like this film had a bit of a weird focus on like the female body as a vessel for kind of carrying infants. Like, I mean, know, it was a little weird, but I think offspring. it was... Yeah, I don't know. I think my issue with all of that was, again, with the character's internal motivations. Yeah. But she did have the very reasonable um, <laughs> reaction of just like... Let's get rid of this fuck fly I'm baby thing. I'm having a big ol' of <laughs> So, um, yeah. yeah. And then, again, like Jeff Goldblum's character wanting to kind of save the offspring and yeah. being like, his, he's like, don't kill me, that could be the last... Well, I, I think I think that his idea is that that baby might be the last trace of his Humanity. pre-transformation DNA, yeah. and yeah. so he wants the DNA. Maybe that would see it'd be more interesting if that had happened earlier, and that no, could have I, been I his even... effort to try and get DNA to turn himself back. Yeah, and I don't think he was like. Well, again, it would have taken nine months, so he was <laughs> fucked anyway. But have you seen uh, season eight of The Fly? The baby's <laughs> born. <laughs> uh, his reasons for taking certain pathways and actions are not explained to a level of satisfaction personally for me, but are also uh, sometimes obscure and unpredictable enough to be... Uh, to to for me to feel like I wanted more of an explanation of why he was taking certain decisions. Yeah. So yeah, I guess like I don't know. I think this is just a personal thing. If you enjoyed his characterization, that's cool. Yeah. Um. I personally, yeah, didn't think there was much there. Yeah. Or oh. didn't think what was there was particularly satisfying. I'm glad I watched it though because it's one of those movies that you hear talked about a lot, and you hear yeah. it talked about as like one of those iconic kind of movies. It's re- it's a reference to The Simpsons and all that. So I think it's it's nice. Yeah. It's nice that I've seen it. I think. Yeah. And I like I like that I've. I like that I'm getting we're getting the opportunity to go back and see these old movies that no one ever really talked. Yeah, no one ever, these are people talk about, but people haven't actually seen. Classics. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was cool. It was cool to see, and you know, like seeing. Um, so there's like 
eight different or seven different <laughs> stages of like his transformation where he looks different every time and each would have one been so is expensive like to make all those different suits than and the things. last one yeah. and it is it is grotesque and creepy in a way and the final yeah. scene where he like is I suppose the final form of him is kind of birthed out of the previous form is real fucked that up. Was, I, I would have enjoyed if that had happened earlier, actually. I would have wanted to see him be like the real fucked fly for longer because that yeah, was really cool. I don't know. I, <laughs> this was definitely... this. I, I, I usually don't like want to bail <laughs> from watching movies, but yeah. this was... I was just grossed out and I wasn't interested. I was yeah. just grossed out. Maybe and if you're more like, into that, maybe if you're more into that, you'd be fucking loving it. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. And there's, you know, there's a reason why this movie's so popular. It wasn't yeah. unenjoyable to watch, but I was kind of like, ah, I don't need any more of this than I'm getting. <laughs> I, was, you know? I had already had enough when he was pe- peeling his fingernails off. So yeah. Like, oh, no, I'm <laughs> yeah, in yeah, for a bumpy yeah. oh, ride. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, the bits where he vomits and stuff is just gross. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> it was an icky, icky movie. C- can you think of other movies we could compare this to in terms of sci-fi type stuff? Sci-fi, um, definitely some of the alien themes. Um, yeah. Oh, what's that one in Prometheus where like she gets a the is it Prometheus where she gets Prometheus. the um there's a really Scott movie and it's either Prometheus or the new one. Yeah. Um, where she has a uh, she wakes up and a face hugger's laid a thing in her and right. she gets like surgery from this like automated surgical machine. That sounds to, like one of the aliens movies that I haven't seen, but sure. It's one of the t- two recent ones, and I'm just oh, not okay, sure which no, it is. Seen. Um, and she goes into like this this um, medical machine that yeah. ends up doing like live surgery on her, and it removes like the alien thing from her while she's still awake. Yeah. And so I guess that's the modern kind of like version of this body horror stuff. Also deals with that kind of like impregnation theme. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess yeah, some of the some of the stuff from Prometheus or um, there's there's a couple um... Covenant. Covenant. Alien Covenant. No, okay, I haven't seen it. There's a couple transformations. Is, is there much transformation he's stuff in The Shape of Water, or am I not thinking of the right movie? No, there's no transformation. He's no, the okay. fish thing. He's already the fish thing yeah. the whole time. Yeah. I would say, I can't really think of anything that this is particularly better than. I'd say, in, in terms of like transformation kind of films, I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as, I don't know, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> if you want to okay. see, if you want to see one character yeah. go go through an intense, an intense physical transformation the whole time, yeah, go, go watch Brad Pitt get young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying to think of like movies about transformation, but yeah, yeah okay. not not oh. sure. There's a lot of that kind of like having the bounds of the human body violated and that sort of stuff. But um, I feel like there are like about. ten fucking movies about a dude transforming into something fucked that we're just missing. Yeah, it's uh, got to be like a werewolf movie or like a yeah. There's some werewolf stuff, um, and I guess like you know uh, that was in some of that stuff is in Harry <laughs> Potter. Yeah, I um, suppose so. Underworld. A little bit. The ones you've like seen 16 kind of times. Transformation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and couldn't remember. Oh, well. I, I've, uh, I Googled transformation movies and I'm just getting like before and after celeb photos. <laughs> so. Better than Nicki Minaj's butt implants. Worse oh. than The Curious Case <laughs> of Benjamin Button. Um, I enjoyed... Oh, no, I probably enjoy Benjamin Button more than The Fly. <laughs> that, was, that was a joke comparison. I'm sure there's a legitimate better thing and we can insert it later or write it in a little description there. I enjoyed any Ridley Scott movie much more than I enjoyed The Fly. Yeah, Any, okay. any of the Alien movies. I really love The Thing. I thought The Thing was the highlight from this week. I'm yep, going to try definitely. and go and watch some more John Carpenter shit. Yeah, I don't know if the rest of his stuff is going to be as um, as good, but uh, yeah. but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, I was listening to an album the other day <laughs> good. and I think John Carpenter actually i might make it let, let's i'll see if i can make it the music at the end um, <laughs> but there's this he he does the voiceover of this track from this there's like this band that does 80 style techno music yeah um 
And they actually contacted John Carpenter to do the voice at the start where he's like giving this monologue about the destruction <laughs> of the apocalypse of the world. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So Look forward to our nine-minute It, it literally only time. just tweaked that that was John Carpenter that was John, and that I'm thinking of this. the same dude because yeah. I really like this band. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's a big big name in 80s, 80s yeah, action right. films and I really like it. I think all in all, we can round out our 80s horror spe- spooktacular number two by saying it's definitely worth going to see The Thing. Really enjoyed it. If you've made it this far, we might have ruined some stuff, but I think it's still definitely visually and in terms of the story and the pacing, definitely still worth watching. Yeah. I didn't really enjoy The Fly as much, but I suppose if that's more your thing, it's a good example of that kind of I mean, you, kind, of you kind of net enjoyed it, right? Thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, thumbs up, yeah. It's um, it's a definitely an iconic kind of version of that. It's, it's an iconic example of that kind of film. Yeah. I definitely think that it's worth watching if you're into that kind of thing. Me personally, I think I was a bit grossed out. A bit grossed out by it. it kind of creeped me out. The fly. Yeah. yeah. We don't have any news this week. No, because for we're kind reasons of reasons unknown. <laughs> we're kind of banking a few. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for next week. I think we're finally going to be able to watch some new movies next week. Yeah. There's a couple of things coming out the cinema that I'm vaguely interested in, so they might not be thematically similar. But it you know, we'll like, pair um, a couple up. You know, there are lulls and and kind of booms in in. Uh, the way that movies are released. That really they, fuck our episode schedule. Yeah, and re- release scheduling in movies is really um, kind of refined art where, yeah. you know, you always get movies released in the Christmas holidays yeah. and that sort of shit. So typically, right, we have a whole bunch of ideas for like old movie episodes we could do. There's a whole bunch of shit coming out in the cinema. Like, well, fuck. And then as soon as nothing's coming out in the cinema, we can't think of anything we want to do. No, and also like, uh, there's a lot of movies that we've been giving news on for ages that I yeah. really want to see and record. Even if um, we did have, here's a big behind the curtain, even if we could find some more movie news for this week, you would hear this movie new. It would be three week old movie. Yeah, yeah, news. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we'll just leave it. If it's yeah, that's right. But I'm trying to look up if there's anything coming out that we might watch in movies soon. Oh uh, well, um, there's if there's anything coming out three weeks horizon. from now that you want to hear, <laughs> want to hear us talk, let uh, us know. Uh, let, let us know. Beefstationpod at gmail.com is our Gmail address. You can send in listener suggestions. Um, our Facebook page is facebook.com/slash/beefstationpod. Come like us on Facebook and join in the non-existent discussion. We um, update you on the episodes each week. Have you got anything else, boy? Can we sign off? I definitely had something else, but I can't remember what it was. And I was going to ask people to do a thing. I guess I'll just make a Facebook post. Right, well. Don't worry about it. Cool. Take time to do whatever you want. Don't worry about what Andrew wants you to do. You're your own, you're your own people, listeners. I'm Oscar. Andrew. Have a good week. city I once knew as home is teetering on the edge of radioactive oblivion. A 300,000 degree baptism by nuclear fire. I'm not sorry. We had it coming. A surge of white hot atonement will be our wake-up call. Hope for our future is now a stillborn dream. The bombs begin to fall and I'm rushing to meet my love. Please remember me. There is no more.